Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh, and we are here to give you episode two in season three of The Witcher here today. Last week, I took us through episode one. A lot of great action towards the end, crazy fight scenes. We really enjoyed that. Today, Chase is going to take us through episode two, guide us through that one. And before he does so, I'm going to turn the floor to him to say a few words. Yeah, man, a lot of dark twists and turns coming up on this one, coming off that banger of an episode from last week. Fuck yeah, let's fucking go. Season three, baby. Getting our ride or die with the white wolf, Geralt. Let's make it happen, man. Cheers to you, brother. I'll take us through this one. Uh, you ready for episode two? I'm ready, man. And great point to this whole ride or die situation with the White Wolf since you know you got all that drama happening behind the scenes with what's going to happen with The Witcher overall as a show. You know, are we going to have a new Geralt? Are we going to not have a show, period? There's rumors that production's been halted altogether. So, yeah, man, this might be the ride or die. We really don't know. So, uh, without further ado, I'll let you guys right on through this episode. Let's do it, man. Cheers. It, uh, one thing I'll say before we get started, it's like, enjoy the moment, is what we always say. Like, we've said it on all our biggest franchises, because you never truly know, but let's, let's make it happen. So this episode starts off really intense. So you have Siri and Yennefer walk up on this hanging that's going on, and they encounter this man, Applegat. And it's someone that Siri had actually scene in season one if you recall and she's having visions about him and in my opinion this is kind of when siri you know she really needs to start thinking more logically through things kind of how we talked about last week like when she wore the dress wanting to you know kind of feel more emotion from Geralt, but he was thinking more logically through the situation with the dress and like she could be noticed if her face wasn't covered uh kind of like this and and what she does is she Starts recalling her vision, saying to the man how she saw him before, and Yennefer has to cover for her, and says like she was kicked in the head by a horse, and you know trying to act like she didn't know what she was talking about, and then Yennefer starts telling her, <clears throat> you know, you could have just caused like a big problem right there, and and she's not really thinking about the consequences to her accent actions, and Yennefer tells Siri that her visions are becoming more frequent, and they need to get to Eratusa. So Geralt, at this point, in another area, Geralt and Yaxir are continuing their travels. And Geralt tosses this heart in front of a door. And it's really cool, because they're going to see uh, these two people, Codringer and Finn. Uh, and did we see them in season two? Yeah, man. They were one of the biggest parts of season two. They are, they're the... They're kind of like those secret uh, little hermits that know all this information and share it with those willing to pay. And then they don't really seem to take sides. It's really cool. So if you guys remember them, they're from season two. Gave the other ones have figured out uh, some of the lore and backstory on a, on a few really important characters that we find throughout the Witcher series and so far in the first three seasons. But yeah, they're they're really big. Uh, you know, I, I would say you know they're they're main characters, but they're definitely like 
very, very useful. I also wanted to say one thing too, with, with this Applegat guy, Siri was seeing a vision of what's going to happen in the future, not so much that she's seen him in the past. We, we, we haven't seen Applegat in the first season or anything like that, it's just she's seeing visions of what's going to come to pass, almost similar to, you guys remember that old show on Disney, like That's So Raven, where she gets a quick vision and all of a sudden she sees what's going to happen, and it, always, and it always ends up coming to pass anyway, so I'm kind of curious if these visions from Siri are, like, no matter what she ends up doing, if she tries to stop it, that they're still going to come to pass regardless. I could definitely see that happening, but just wanted to clarify that on that end. But yeah, man, Codringer and Fen, really, really cool characters. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting how this one closes out with them, but uh, I'll go ahead and turn it back over to you. Yeah, man, and it was badass. That was, it was very interesting, like, how they kind of always get the attention of i guess the audience and like girl put that heart there and then the spear came through and then codringer opened the door and it's uh you know Geralt's here with jack sear trying to find out more information and at this point then it kind of cuts over to uh i guess you can call him uh, is his real name dooney the white flame i called him the emperor yes yeah, so he's got a few names uh, he goes by amir Right, the, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. the White Flame is also a nickname, and on top of that, he is Cirilla's father, Dooney. So any one of those works. That's that's kind of you got to go. It has three aliases. This guy, you know, big head honcho over there in Nilfgaard. <laughs> yeah, man. So he's like uh, making a new sword that's getting forged, and we kind of cut over him for a minute, and then we cut back over to Geralt, and it kind of takes us back to that moment in season two in a minute because you know Geralt's always big on his wagers what I did want to jump in and say real quick too because I think that that scene with Amir was really cool because it they rebalanced his blade and this individual who's working on his blade she has some level of skill uh, to really create it the way that he needed it for the upcoming war and we actually get a little bit of a backstory about Amir and how they he overcame strong odds to get to the part to where he was you know he kind of went lone wolf or like rogue ranger and was uh ended up doing some really cool stuff with with his previous sword so he wanted to make sure that his sword for this war was uh, in tip-top shape and everything was right with it so i wonder what we're gonna see when you know, this all comes to a head but on top of that too this sword maker i wonder if she's anything similar to if you remember the old aragon books that sometimes you reference every once in a while they had those really uh skilled smiths that make the, the elven swords and, and things so i wonder if she's got skills uh, that are on par with that just a quick you know curiosity in my mind but i'll let you get back to it yeah man it makes you wonder too because uh i always say he kind of has you never quite know what he's thinking. It always seems like he has some tricks up his sleeve. That's for sure. But uh, so back to Geralt at this moment, it kind of reminded me of that moment in season two where, you know, Geralt was playing the game with the knives. Uh, and with Codringer, he makes this wager because he can't cover, I guess, you know, the money he wants him to pay <laughs> to get information. And he puts down gold and he's like, well, we'll make a wager. And if I win, you know, on credit, of course, <laughs> you're going to tell me the information I need. And he pulls out, I described it as kind of like this throwing star. Is that kind of what that was? It looked like a throwing star to me. Yeah, I, I called it a ninja star. <laughs> That's what they look like, dude. So, yeah, on the same page. Yeah, and and basically that's, uh, he makes this wager where if he hits him, then, you know, basically Geralt would lose. But if he doesn't, 
then he's going to give him the information he needs. And he throws it. And what was so funny is he says, you didn't even flinch. <laughs> like, girl, like, in his mind, I thought, like, he kind of knew he would win that game, clearly. And, um, you know, Geralt goes and approaches him to the information. And Finn tells Geralt that Rience is working for a mage and is doing dirty business in a castle called Volpien. And it's uh, in the uh, Amamite mines. And um, he he is, like, trying to get a hold of Siri as well is what's going on at this point. What's cool about that, too just to say this real quick is that Rience was a big factor in season two as one of the the main villains and obviously we saw that he was taking orders from someone but now we're kind of diving deeper into it and it, it seems like there's a mage more powerful than him that is controlling him not even just that he's taking orders almost someone seems like he's yeah you know, Rience is a long story short Rience is a strong villain on his own right He's already proven very tough to deal with. Yes, they've gotten away each time, but they've yet to be able to stop him. He always shows up and gives them difficulty along the way. But now that there's a boss above him that's even stronger, obviously, to, to bend Rience to its will. So really interested to see what uh, this new guy or girl, whatever it may be, uh, who that is and, and how they affect things going forward. So I just wanted to bring that up real quick. No, great point. And then, you know, as we approach this moment, it gets even deeper. So Geralt finds out that the mage is a client of Finn's and Codringer, which talk about doing some dirty deals, <laughs> if you ask me. So uh, and Geralt says here, he says, you must know that the time of contempt is approaching and someone must die. And that's actually a foreshadowing moment because a lot of people don't know this. This season is based on the Witcher book called Time of Contempt. So I thought that was a big quote to bring up there. And uh, Geralt says, I will not pay for what I love by having contempt for myself. So just not that important, but I thought it was really cool because it kind of made a, a nod to the books there. But Geralt then tells Yaxir that he doesn't want to put him in harm's way and that he will find him after heading to uh, Vulpin. Uh, so, and then we cut back over to Yennefer, and Yennefer is telling Ciri that she sent Tissaia a message that she's coming home because of her. And Yennefer tells Ciri that at Eratusa, she can learn how to focus her visions into what she wants to see, so she can start to try to control that. Yennefer then goes and sees her friends to get a portal to Eratusa, and during this time, this man walks in. And drops gold trying to get a portal to Claremont. And Siri is having visions again uh, of this girl that's with this man. And she freaks out, cuts her free, and it causes a big, gigantic clusterfuck, honestly. Because Yennefer then has to choke this man out with magic and then snaps his neck. And then Yennefer and Siri are forced to run off in this situation. And then, like, real quick on that, not to interrupt you, like, that's another thing that I'm curious about is that name got brought up that that dude works for. He's one of whatever's guys. And 
and that who is this person and, and how are they going to start being introduced as probably a big bad as well maybe not a, a main villain but definitely one that's going to cause some problems and probably be very tough to deal with because that other mage who was going to do that portal she dipped like as soon as she killed that guy as soon as uh, Yennefer killed that guy the other mage is like yo y'all on your own I'm out of here so like really curious to see who that individual is that she was so scared of and that she had to leave without even giving Yennefer and Siri a portal so just wanted to make sure we touched on that real quick absolutely and that's a good point too because it really makes you wonder like how dirty this thing goes like with all these mages and where their loyalty actually lies um speaking of mages so now we cut over to Triss and you have Tissaia and the whole group here and Triss asks the group if anyone's seen Nessa and then you have Stregobor that's over here blaming blaming Tissaia on why they haven't found Ciri yet and Triss tells Tissaia that she wants to stay with her and that she will go check on finding Nessa and then at this point we go over to this really uncomfortable scene <laughs> you have Philippa who's like whipping Dijkstra what do you think about this this is very strange to me yeah dude uh this is tough to to put in i don't know what the need was for this on screen it almost seemed as if it was some sort of pleasurable experience for deekstra to get (laughs) whipped and cause bloody lashes across his back digging into his past and all the things he's done wrong Maybe it's his way of absolution or his way of feeling better about the bad shit that he's done. I don't know. But it almost had, like, sexual undertones to it. It was a very interesting scene. So, yeah, I- I'm with you, man. I was a really a little uncomfy because he ha- had his uh, arms shackled above his head, f- torso fully naked, and just getting whips across his back to where it was drawing lines of blood, man. So, I'm with you. It was a little a little strange. It was, it was very strange. And 100% agree with you. It was definitely like something was going on. Because Philippa even said, did that excite you? <laughs> very strange, man. But And he was like telling her about the first time he like killed an elf. And, uh, you know, and, and she kept trying. Dijkstra was saying, no, it makes me angry. She could have been useful. And you're kind of going back through this history that they had. But um, then Philippa asked Dijkstra to try to keep um, uh, Vesemir. Is that how I say his name? He's the king. Yep. Right? Vesemir. Uh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and keep him in line by using Radovid, who is the prince we talked about last episode, and using uh, him to their advantage. And she asked uh, him to go speak with them. Now we're cutting back over to speaking of Radovid. Yaxir goes to visit Radovid, and he tells Radovid that Codringer and Finn know who Rience is working for. And Geralt, at this point, <clears throat> is arriving at the castle. And I thought this was so ironic, because this is a total Geralt way, because you know he's probably played this around in his head a hundred times. As he's walking up towards the castle, goes... It's probably a trap. <laughs> like, you know he's played this as that, but, like, what fucking choice do you have at this point? So Geralt enters, enters the castle, and you know shit's about to go down because he drinks that fucking elixir, man. Eyes go pitch black. 
you know it's bad news bears the minute that shit happens. And then we're cutting right back over to Yennefer, and Yennefer is telling Siri that she's disappointed in her because she chose to interfere in that situation where we were talking about where she set the child free and tells her that she doesn't think about her consequences, which kind of goes into before, where she was bringing up her visions uh, to that man. And uh, Siri says, what is the point in me seeing the future if I can't see anything to change it? Well, why wouldn't you understand? And then she says, uh, you see what you want and you make it happen. You snap your fingers and mountains move. Men bend to your will. How would you know what it's like to fight for control of your life? And then Yennefer turns back and Siri says, where are you going? More shopping? And Yennefer says, no, my ugly one. We're taking a detour. And the reason I mentioned this quote is because it's actually giving a nod to a little bit about Yennefer's past in a way. And it's kind of interesting because now you're kind of seeing it's an interesting development because you kind of saw, you know, how Geralt kind of developed Siri and saw kind of what she could become and like a guardian to her. And now Yennefer is kind of seeing that way, but it seemed like almost like a little bit in her is the way I kind of saw that. Is the way is that kind of how you're seeing their relationship right now? Most definitely. I really think there are similarities and comparisons to be made between Cirilla and Yennefer. I, I know you're going to get to it in just a little bit when they get to the place on the hill and really kind of go back and, and go through a few things. I don't want to see your thunder there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that Cirilla thinks she's in this predicament and no one's ever been through anything similar we really think back to season one, man, before Yennefer got her old body carved out by that dude and gave up her uh, ability to have children so that way she could look and present herself the way she is. Remember what she looked like and what that, that whole situation was for? That like, Life would have been very, very tough for Yennefer if she didn't make her own choices. And, and you know, yeah, there was consequences to it. And I think that's what she's trying to avoid for series i did this and these were the consequences i'm trying to make sure you don't fall into the same way here and that's what we're doing and that's why we need to go to eratusa to get the proper training so yeah there's definitely similarities between the two i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say the upbringing but in terms of feeling helpless out of control those kind of things yeah there's definitely similarities to be drawn absolutely great point and this next moment is when as they're leaving um yennefer mentions for her to come along and she's going to show her who she really is which we see uh, in just a minute but then we have this moment remember kahir from back in the day he's he's here again and he's just getting his ass handed to him <laughs> that's for sure by this i guess it was like a the golden knight in a way and uh as he's just getting his ass handed to him he starts seeing this vision of siri throwing up blood on him and of Siri saying, you'll pay for this, Nilfgaardian scum. But at this time, uh, Gallatin stabs that person through the neck, and they're gushing out blood, and he just says, get up, old friend, and, and helps him up. So, uh, you know, Gallatin, he, he's a badass, man. I mean, we saw him last episode. Yeah, dude, and this is a full circle moment from last week when I was talking about Gallatin said he's going to go see an old friend. When he said, get up, old friend, now we know who it is. It's Kahir. And Kahir was the main antagonist in the first season chasing down Siri. So it's just really cool how these things are starting to come full circle. And, you know, it's just going to be really sad if this is 
the way this whole series comes to a close, if it closes this season or if it goes further, I really hope the writing is is strong because these kind of moments are great. I love the writing so far from season one to where we hear where we are here in season three of The Witcher, and it's exactly why it's become one of our favorite shows to to watch and cover for for the podcast. So I'll let you you know jump back into it. Agree a hundred percent. Uh, so then Gallatin tells Kahir about the arguments he's having with Francesca, which we talked about last episode, and how she is after Cirilla. And he tells Kahir that he can't let men die for this cause, and he doesn't believe in what uh, she's wanting to do and doesn't want her to be in charge of the, of the elves at the moment. And he reminds Kahir that he was originally, Kahir was, one of Amir's top men, and Kahir tells him how he betrayed Amir. And uh, Kahir tells Gallatin that Gallatin will help Amir take the north. And uh, then at this point, we cut to this scene where we have like these prisoners. Were they prisoners in a way? They were like in there kind of playing cards, I guess, is where we were at. Um, yeah, I they they were definitely. I don't. They had a semblance of freedom because they weren't in cells, but they were in a dungeon type environment. But they weren't in shackles or anything. So I'm assuming it was. Uh, they were a level of prisoner. Obviously, we know who the the lady is there, and she's yeah. way much different than she was in the past seasons. Not gonna give that away, but uh, yeah, I I don't really know. I'm only assuming that they're prisoners just because of how her story ended up in season two when she failed Amir. So I'm assuming, yeah, that they're prisoners of some sort. But like we're saying, there's no shackles, there's no cell bars. So there's a modicum of freedom, I guess. So yeah, it's interesting. So I definitely think that they are a level of prisoner, though. Yeah, and as uh, they're like playing cards and everything is going on, one of the persons in there dies and uh, the knight comes in and just says, put him in a bag. And uh, we're kind of, you know, we'll find out what happens later. So, and then we're cutting over to Yaxir, and he's singing a song for Radovid. Uh, and Radovid's like really impressed. If you want to look up the words, feel free to. I don't have that. Dude, but you know what's weird, man? I've. I was not impressed by this song at all. Uh, to me, I didn't it, think it was that great. Usually, I'm the song guy, right. and uh, it wasn't worth it to me. I'm so glad that we're on the same page with that because I'm listening. Obviously, we've heard what three or four Yaxir songs throughout the first two seasons of The Witcher, so we just been maybe we've been spoiled with really good ones. But his voice didn't sound that great, to be honest, and the words to it, I just, I'm like. This prince really felt that deeply about the song. I don't. I don't know, man. I thought it was one of the. Well, I thought it was the worst one so far from Yaskier. I really didn't think it was that great. Oh, I hundred percent agree. I love the one in season two because it's like, and it was the one where he's like, "Watch it burn" or whatever it was. Because it's like every song he usually does makes sense for the moment. Like it felt like he was just saying some fucking words to say them and like. They're acting like this is the greatest thing since fucking Taylor Swift. Like, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, it wasn't fucking good. It was trashed. It was hot garbage. 
he needs to lock himself down in one of those cottages and just focus in on writing and, and do what T Swift does because he, he definitely needs to be uh, taking some notes, man. It, it was it was rough. We we've seen better. I thought my personal opinion. I agree hundred percent. That's why I brought it up. I just it, it's one thing if you were gonna put the song there it, it, and it's just a funny one off. He's maybe singing to a tavern. It doesn't matter that the song sucks. But the fact that the prince was so moved by it that it, it, you know what I mean that's the thing I'm just like what really after we've heard like banger after banger from you ask you like toss a coin to your witcher in the valley of plenty, oh, valley of like, plenty. you know what that's I mean like we got we got some bangers there we got like that burn one you're talking about then we have this bullshit that's fucking from the clouds and all of a sudden the prince is like wow you really see people man like, get the fuck out of my face bro <laughs> Dude, you, <laughs> that bur- just to back that up here his exact quote was that was incredible quote unquote you see people for who they are incredible was that incredible worthy yeah like man i wasn't with it (laughs) you're talking about like literally like not to get us off track here but just one more side note like this is the guy that literally is speaking of taylor swift like he is like the artist of the witcher world like he is the guy and like you are the Mick Jagger of the Witcher world, and that's what you came up with, bro. Like that—that's your job. You had one job this entire fucking season. Yeah, I did. I don't know, man, but I'll let you continue. I just want to definitely notate that this was not Yaskier's best work, in my opinion. I'm glad you feel the same because we didn't talk about this ahead of time. This is so. This is kind of happening in the moment here. But, yeah, I, I was really looking forward to when the prince gave him the loot. I'm like, sweet, we're going to get something sick again. He's going to have another one I can listen to. No, do you listen to that? I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, but anyways, and it was man. like one line. Like, I felt like we got like two lines. And, and it wasn't was even it. like powerful lines or even good lyricism. Like, lyricism. It just was not... Uh, it wasn't for me, man. I'll, I'll it, continue it was on. bad. Let's put it this way. You know it's bad if Chase is giving a recap and just leaves out the song in its entirety. And That's such that a good point. Right <laughs> That's wild because you're always like, even if you, you'll either, number one, sing the whole thing. Number two, read it. In so, like, like, <laughs> instead of like singing it because you don't want to sing, you'll read it out loud. Or you know, you'll put it on one of our sites later on as like a recap type deal for them to look at it. So the fact that you're over it too yeah that's how you know it's trash so <laughs> you know it's bad if chase says go look it up yourself <laughs> like just fucking look it up guys back to the real point of this story <laughs> anyways so at this point now we have Geralt, our main event our main guy <laughs> so cutting back over to him he's continuing through the castle and we're hearing voices say Someone's coming, and this was a badass fucking vibe, man. I felt like we were entering Silent Hill or House of the Dead here. What's the vibe you got from this thing? Yeah, some Transylvania type shit, huh? They come in this spooky season just in time for Halloween Horror Nights here at Universal Orlando. It is a Let's perfect go! Time. <laughs> yeah, but, man. You know, funny thing about our show is somehow we always wind up covering this franchise right around Halloween, which is fucking perfect. Yeah, man. So for those who don't know, Universal Orlando holds Halloween Horror Nights between September and I believe the first few days of November. So it's a two-month run. It's just perfect timing because it it just dropped two days ago. Like the very first day of Halloween Horror Nights was two days ago. So the fact that this is coming up and this whole creepy vibe is right along the lines with what we call spooky season down here in Florida 
it's uh, it just aligns. The serendipity is beautiful. But uh, yeah, go ahead, brother. Oh yeah, man. Side note, real quick, and I'll make this super quick. Malice in the chalice. I just want to say this. We've talked about it before. Do you know how fucking badass it would be if they made a fucking Witcher house? That shit would be the sick. Sick as fuck, man. What's your thoughts on that? I just want to get your thoughts real quick. Yeah, dude. If they made a Witcher house, it's just interesting because I wouldn't consider the Witcher a horror series per se. But I will say if we had a house with all the monsters that they have come up with throughout the three seasons, it would be really fucking cool. And especially with this weird looking thing that you're about to talk about in a couple minutes. If I saw that thing in the house, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So it definitely would be cool. It's just I don't necessarily correlate The Witcher with a horror series or anything like that. So it would be tough. It's a tough sell. But, man, if they wanted to go out of their way and do something unique and creative, uh, I, w- I would be one of the first ones in line, I'll tell you that. Hey, you heard it here first, and I think it's possible they could do that. Because think about it. Stranger Things, Netflix, and that's not exactly horror-horror. Yeah, it kind of is, though. Like that, I, I think Stranger Things is supposed to be that weird horror-thriller thing where you got these supernatural events happening and it's scary for kids, you know. I... I think Stranger Things gives me very much an it vibe, just different type of thing. So I would consider Stranger Things a quote-unquote horror uh, uh, genre, where just The Witcher is more action-adventure, fantasy type of deal. So it's just not the same. But like I was saying, though, some of these monsters would be really cool to see in real life uh, that they put together. I I don't think it's going to happen, but if it ever does, like I said, one of the first in line. All I'm saying, man, is you heard it here first from Chase and Josh, just like we've been hearing, you know, you've heard a lot of things here first that have come to pass. So that's all I'll sit here and say. Moving right along, Malice in the Chalice goes off to the Shadow Realm, but I thought it was an interesting idea there. Anyways, okay, so back to where we're at. So this is fucking crazy. We have screaming heads that look like tumors to me that are like, protruding from the walls inside this castle this is fucking crazy right this is silent hill vibes yeah very silent hill vibes and it almost looked they it had the way the heads were attached to some sort of thing that pushed them out it was an arm but it wasn't really an arm it was more so some sort of fleshy uh, attachment i don't even know what to call it like you said i it's very silent hill vibey but it's very hard to describe what these heads look like. They look very much like a normal person's face in agony, and the things they were saying were just a little bit creepy. But what they were attached to was just, it's so hard to describe without, you know, telling you basically go look at it, you know? It, it, it had, yeah, I don't really know. It's almost, it reminds me of if you looked at Groot's limbs when Groot went ahead and attached his arm to the the big axe stormbreaker it, it just seemed like that but not wooden it was more like fleshy but yeah. still kind of that similar uh i i don't know man it, it's hard for me to explain I'll, I'll try to see if you do a better job of it no man i got that same vibe it, to me it was kind of like they were like growing on the walls or some shit like they were attached to the walls yeah, it was weird. And they were coming out of it, too. Like I said, they were dangling from something. Something was holding these heads out and pushing it in and out of the wall and moving it around. I don't know what it was. It was definitely gross and definitely a little weird. So, 
Oh, it was, it was fucking crazy. So back to it here. So Carol's making his way through, and then all of a sudden, not to say all of a sudden like I always do. Anyways, a blonde girl is there, and she's like afraid. And uh, he, she keeps saying he comes for us in the night. And girls trying to ask her, like, is the man you speak of Rience? Like, thinking Rience is the cause of all this. And then, and then at this moment, <laughs> the monster comes out of out of nowhere, looks straight out of Silent Hill or House of the Dead. It's like this naked monster with all the limbs and naked arms and legs and. Uh, it's attacking Geralt, and Geralt is slashing at it and stabs it in the heart. And at each time he stabs it and attacks it, one of the heads on the walls dies and it screeches and screams and dies. And Geralt slices it again and uses his push magic and finally finishes it off. And the body of this like naked spider human torso uh, dies on the ground bleeding out and the blonde girl lays on the ground next to it and at this point we cut over to that moment where you saw those prisoner people and the knights dump the body off off the cliff you want to tell them who comes out of the out of the our little um uh little bag here that comes off the cliff yeah dude and what's cool about it too is they were talking about it like oh Man, the wine didn't help make these guys any lighter. They're they're essentially poison tasters, right? They that's what they I think that their whole job was to make sure that whatever wine was getting to Amir wasn't poison. And so when they were they kind of full of, of wine and obviously you know dead weight for dead bodies is heavy anyways. So it was cool when they just kind of dragged and like, "Oh, the wine didn't help make it any lighter." And they tossed it off the side there and coming out of the the bag pretending to be dead was uh the old pale fringilla you know so uh that that's uh that's who the big surprise coming out of that bag she's now escaped that little prison area and and you know she was one of the considered one of the more powerful mages in the continent so kind of curious on where her story goes through here twists and turns man it's good stuff so now we're back to Applegat that we saw in the beginning. So he shows up with the king as the king is throwing shit against the walls. He's like, I almost hit you, man. And he like shows up. And then Dijkstra and Radovid engage in conversation. And Radovid is telling Dijkstra that Vizimir, the king, was meeting with Nilfgaard behind his back. So all very sneaky, sir. Very sneaky stuff going on here. And uh, now we're cutting over to Rience, who we know now Rience uh, is one of, I guess you can say, the clients of Codringer and Finn. And he arrives at Codringer and Finn demanding no answers about Geralt and Ciri. And he takes the cat and Finn says, please, not the cat. And then the next thing you see is everything's on fire and Rience walks out with the cat. And he burned everything except for the cat. So, but always remember, in the words of Jay Nelly, you know, I don't believe someone's gone until we see the body. So, that knows. one's going to be tough, though, right? And the reason I say this is you heard the screams in the back as he was yeah. exiting the room, and it was just all burst into flames. So, 
But I will say, Codringer and Fen, they do have cool contraptions and things, and it wouldn't surprise me too much if somehow they survived. I just think it's a long shot here. I, I think these guys might be gone. They're going to need that uh, that Moff Gideon armor <laughs> to survive that shit. <laughs> That's for sure. Anyway, so now at this point, we're cutting over to Tissaia, and Tissaia is telling... Uh, I, I always pronounce his name Ragavin. It's like her lover. Oh, How do I pronounce his name? Vilgefortz. Vilgefortz, man. Vilgefortz. Yeah, 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 whatever the fuck his name is. Dude, I think that We've guy's got one of the coolest the seasons. Fuck- yeah, dude, I think that guy's got one of the coolest fucking names in the entire series. So Vilgefortz sounds just dope. It sounds like <laughs> I knew it had a V in there somewhere. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's our guy. Yeah. He's uh, he's an interesting character. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you continue on with it. Yeah, man. Well, um, and then at this point, uh, Triss is... Um, uh, she's saying that Triss is right and they need to get the northern kings to listen to them and Vilgefortz uh, says that if Yennefer can let go of the past then so can he and that's a big moment because you know she's heading over that way so you never know what kind of conflict we're going to get at some point and then uh, we finally see Yennefer again and Yennefer takes Ciri where she grew up and shows her the dark past she had through her visions and how we remember her in the beginning of season one and she didn't look the exact same as she was and all the trauma she went through and uh, she tells her how she was uh, she set a prisoner free which we saw last season and she's taking risks by bringing a risk by bringing Siri back to Eratusa but she says it is not enough to possess chaos we must learn to control it and that is how we will move mountains together. And she's telling Siri that really it's the mages in Eratusa that are going to be able to teach her to harness this gift that she has of magic. And now we're back to Geralt. And man, wow, this kind of threw me through a loop. <laughs> so Geralt approaches the young blonde girl after he's whipped some ass again because our white wolf you know, saves the day again because everyone else is always on their ass. <laughs> Usually is the way it works. And he walks over to the young blonde girl that he saved. And she looks up and she looks kind of similar in a way. She's young, blonde, um, and she got wakes green, up next to this tree. Got green eyes too, man. And before we talk about this, because I think it is important to, to notate, with those heads and what they were attached to the wall... When Geralt was fighting the, the this other monster that kind of came out of nowhere, that's another thing we didn't even really talk about too much, was the actual bodies of the heads that were on the the weird fleshy wall. So that was another weird thing that I definitely want to at least discuss, because they gave Geralt a run for his money. They, they were pinning him down, so there were three heads on the wall. And there was this creature that was three torsos with... But it is basically the torso with arms for each person without its head. So all those heads were on the wall, and this thing was a collaborative jumble of torso and arms of the three heads on the wall. And as he was killing the torsos, the heads would die. So it was just really interesting and one of those cool things that I definitely want to talk about a little bit because I've never seen any creature like that. That's something straight out of the House of Horrors there, man. So that's something... I really wanted to talk about is just the, the fact that Geralt had a tough time 
with that monster. I've never seen that monster before. I would have to go back and look it up what it's called, but like I said, it was a collaborative jumble of three torsos without their heads, but the heads were the ones attached to the wall that we were talking about earlier. And it was very strange. And as he killed the torsos, those heads dropped dead. And they were, like, screaming yeah. the whole time, like, don't let him kill us. Like, it was really weird. It was very creepy. So I just wanted to make sure that was uh, addressed here as we were going through it. But I'll let you get back to the part here with this this uh, girl who's, you know, light skin, blonde hair, green eyes that you're about to talk about. Yeah, and, and uh, same point there, just going back to what we always say, is something about, you know, the Mandalorian and the Witcher. Like, the monsters they come up with in this shit, it's 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 really genius it's it's a fucking gift it's creative as shit but yeah in the words of jay nelly here uh the eyes (laughs) might remind you of somebody the hair might remind you of somebody and she looks very similar and Geralt looks at her and the blonde girl says because Geralt says um so the blonde girl says i knew you would come for me and Geralt says and how do you know that and the blonde girl says, because you always do, we are tied by destiny. And Geralt says, who are you? And the young blonde girl looks up and says, don't be silly, Geralt. You know who I am. I'm Siri." And he jumps back, and you're like, what the fuck? And the episode ends. What did you think about that shit? I did not see that coming, man. What all comes down to for me... And I have not seen any further episodes in the season. So this is just here today as I watched it. Geralt said it best himself as he is walking up to this, what is it called, Vulpin location here. He said it best. He said, this feels like a trap. And then even later as he got closer, he said, it's definitely a trap. Right? So my thought process is, well, if it's already been confirmed to be a trap, likely this child that resembles Siri that that was kind of put into harm's way for a reason. So I'm thinking that that child with the light hair and the green eyes isn't a child at all. And that might be the person controlling Rience, the big boss overall. And he thinks he just saved someone, but it was a trap. And now this, this big bad is with Geralt and he doesn't even realize it. That's what I think, but I don't know if I'm right or wrong. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of like the villain in a way that took Yennefer of her magic. Like, it, it's just, um, man, it, it really threw me through a loop because it has me asking so many questions about this and where this really goes. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it could possibly be someone else. I don't know if it could possibly be a version of Siri. I'm kind of thinking. Oh, the you same think it's way. gonna be like, like the the multiverse, like the multiverse series here? You know, you got I different. I fucking hope not. I fucking hope not. I gotta debate about that later, but I fucking hope not. I hope this isn't where we see shit fall apart. If you know what I mean. Like, I hope this isn't where they're trying to save their ass. Which I don't. I mean, let's be real. Like we'll get into that later. But I hope this isn't like oh we decided. I hope this isn't like the moments where we just decided to take time of contempt. So we took that foreshadowing quote there, and we got all the way up to the point of the castle, and now we're like, 
Fuck that book. <laughs> no one really gives a shit. We gotta tie loose ends. <laughs> like, I really hope that's not what's about to go down. I guess we'll see. But it really shocked. It was cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It was fucking cool. I didn't see that shit coming. Like, I was thinking, like, this is a prisoner. You know, uh, Geralt's about to travel with this girl and find out where this mage is. I didn't see that shit coming. I don't know if this is, like, an illusion. Um, If this is, like, a possession or something going on, which we've seen stuff like that happen before. But I'm kind of getting the vibe. I think, my personal opinion, I think, which we'll get into this in a minute, I think that the person setting the trap that hired Rience, which we kind of got the illusion it is a trap, I think he's using that girl to bring Geralt in. So the overall thing is a trap. I think he secretly knew Geralt would be able to get past that fucking monster. I think that's just like kind of a diversion to bring him in. What What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of I like this whole back and forth of it because I I'm gonna take it a step further. I think that the child is the person who hired Rian. I think that is the bad guy, you know. And I I don't know how they're gonna figure it out. It's just how many more things can this big bad hire you you assume that it's a guy that hired this girl as a trap this guy also hired Rience in your mind there my thing is like well how many many minions and henchmen is this person gonna to get, to get I think it'd be even cooler if it's the actual bad person itself and it's even cooler that it's a woman because you wouldn't expect it I think that'd be the fucking way to go with it right like that I think to be really badass of the this girl right here with the the one that resembles Siri so much, who says she is Siri, is the person who's controlling Rience and is the real fucking problem for these guys right now. So I don't know that's the case, but I think that would be the coolest outcome of all. Uh, that'd be something that would take a lot of people by surprise. Very unpredictable. Like, boom, all of a sudden, damn. You know, this this is the person that we were trying to find and already snuck up in close quarters, made you feel comfortable by saving her. You know, kind of, yeah, you start thinking about shit like, wait, what the hell? We mean this is Siri, you know? I don't know, dude. I think it's a definite possibility, and I really hope that I'm right, but uh, if I'm not, that's on the writers. Like, they should have had me write this one. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But- <laughs> hey, they should have. Hey, no, you're on to something, I think, too, because think about it this way. Here's another thing. You know, <laughs> the real Siri, we saw, like, her possessed last fucking season and what a problem she caused. So if this girl's anything like that, uh, I mean, it should get, could cause a hell of a problem. But what are your takeaways for this episode, Jay Nelly? Takeaways were this episode was very um, dark, twisty, spooky, fun. Uh, it made you think a little bit. There was, there's introductions to characters that are probably going to play a bigger role. There was a lot going on, but it wasn't messy. It wasn't uh, one of those... You know, Eternals problems where, you know, you're just, what the fuck is happening here? You know, there was a lot going on. You were following Siri and Yennefer. We get introduced to, we didn't even get introduced. We hear the name of this guy who must hold a gang, must be like a a, a boss leader of a gang. Because when they killed that one dude, that girl dipped and didn't even give him a portal. She was scared. So, you know, there's someone that's scaring powerful mages. So who's that guy, you know? And then you got Geralt over here 
trying to, you know, go figure out who you know, he will first is first and foremost he wants to take out Rience, but he's trying to figure out who hired Rience. It's even a bigger problem. So you got Rience still out there somewhere who just actually killed Codringer and Fen, or assumedly killed Codringer and Fen. And so that guy's still around. We're still following him along and see what's going there. Geralt's over in Transylvania trying to like to, <laughs> to see what's going on about who hired the fucker. And then on top of that, you got Kahir coming back from the clouds. You got, you know, the Galatin, who's friends with him. Don't know how, but you know, maybe we'll learn about their relationship. That's another guy who has a problem with Francesca, who was the leader of the elves, who just got her brother killed in the last episode. You know, so then you also have... Eratusa, well, Vilgeforce and Tesea fighting Stregobor, and there's just so much going on, and then all of a sudden Fringilla's back in the picture, because she faked her death, escaped from the thing, so there's just a lot going on, but it's fun and it's not messy, so I really, really enjoyed this episode as a whole, we're gonna see where things kind of come from it, you know, depending on future episodes will really kind of lead me to believe there's problems or, or no problems with this one here, so Overall, I thought it was a great episode. Would I have liked to see a little bit more action outside the small little battle Geralt had with that monster? Sure, but I'm glad that that was there. But the fact that it made me think, and I'm trying to follow all these people, but in a cool way, in a way that's like fun. And you got, you know, obviously the Prince of Redania too. We're still not for sure what he's all about. Yeah, dude, I thought it was a fucking badass episode overall. You know, I'd probably give this thing a 9.1 out of 10 if I'm going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 just for episode 2 here. And... I don't know if I would rate it as high if it was episode one. I think episode one was a great starting point and launching pad for the season, and this is a great transition to the to the next phase of this part of season three of The Witcher. So, yeah, man, overall, they did their thing with it. So I, I was really impressed. I don't know about you. I guess I'll ask you what your takeaways were. I loved it, man. I thought it was awesome. Once again, fucking call a spade a fucking spade, man. Like, I don't know what all the drama is going on. I really hope... That this isn't where the drama is starting with people is like the tail end of this. Like, I'm really hoping not, but let's call a spade a spade. It was fucking awesome, man. Like, once again, it, it was, it, I agree with you 100% because I felt like, you know, if you're kicking off a season, it's kind of like the opening song for like a badass band that's coming out there to kick ass right like you want to have that one kick ass fucking moment to open up the banger of the concert and then you know it gets good but it 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 continues to make progress that's great but you still have another banger but it's not exactly as like action opened as the one before like you might have like a fucking power ballad or something and that's like what this was like this was like the power ballad with the spooky twists and turns that kept you engaged i love how they're doing like fucking whatever the fuck that monster was that looked like it was out of house of the dead or silent hill like i love how they're not just like let's throw a dragon or a vampire in it like it's not like how you know you have these other fantasy things that they just might stick with the same routine of the same thing. Like, they always kind of keep you on the toes with whatever the next monster is. And then they hooked us with all these uh, full circle moments. Like you said, Fringilla, and you had Kahir, and you have all the kind of House of the Dragon, Peter Baelish vibes with Radovan. I don't know what the fuck was up with the Yak Seer song. 
I mean, I think that's my only downturn. <laughs> but overall, you know, we're not here for the soundtrack, even though the soundtrack usually in The Witcher is fucking banging too. <laughs> Just like Game of Thrones is <laughs> fucking awesome. But um, it, it was great. Uh, same thing. Uh, I'll give it a... It's tough because I really liked the last episode more, but I knew what this was kind of like the vibe of it so yeah i'll I'll give it a 9.2 i'm usually pretty generous so i'll go one above you (laughs) but yeah man what debates did you have for the day it's interesting because i have a feeling that this debate is going to be similar to what yours is i don't know that for a fact but just from the things that you were saying along this episode just talking about what we think this imposter siri character is right so I think that's a big thing that we can discuss. It it's just interesting because we kind of already kind of went back and forth about it, about what the possibilities are. So just don't want, I don't want to you know repeat everything that we just said not too long ago, but let's talk about it a little bit with the like the, the possibilities and where you know like at least incorporate the aspect of is this their way of getting around the fact that they may have to change lead actors for Geralt. So I guess we let's let's talk about that aspect of it. Maybe not so much about who the Siri character is, but what it signifies for the series going forward. Do you believe that this is a multiverse type thing, or is this something that you know, we we it just is part of the series and we're just overthinking it because we have in our back of our minds that this is going to change in the future? Like, what do you think? Excellent question, and that was basically my exact debate. So that was perfect. Um, my thought is it's hard to say like multiverse because one could argue that maybe this is like a magic trap spell whatever is going on so you could my thought is something's gonna happen to Geralt that is gonna put him in this same situation sort of like how Ciri is with this mage and that's what's going to cause him to look different. And that's how they're going to play this shit off. Like, just kind of trying to read the writing on the wall. I really hope this isn't, like, the multiverse. Because me personally, I don't know if it's Marvel that's, like, killed the multiverse for me. I'm just so sick of, like, hey, we're going to pawn this off as, like, there was two of them. Like, I really hope this isn't, like, the fucking deal, like... Maybe that girl died, but really the younger version was there all along. Like like how they're like, you know, we've gotten glimpses through all these articles where directors have talked about, like, it'll totally change him. Well, obviously, because now you have a totally different Cirilla walking around. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm really hoping that's not the case. I really think maybe they could use this as like something happens with this trap and that's how he comes out i'm thinking that's what's gonna happen i i don't know man it's just like it's hard for me to not see writing on the wall like why would you maybe this is something that like they really thought of that was creative that was before all this but i just find it very coincidental that shit like this is happening in episode two and you have eight episodes <laughs> what's your thoughts <laughs> i find it coincidental man I, I i do yeah i would say i really hope it's not a 
multiversal thing because I just believe it's played out. We've seen way too much of a multiversal type deal. Then you got DC doing the Flashpoint, which is something very similar. So I just really hope it, it's something unique and, and different. To your point, yeah, it kind of does make sense if we were to change the appearance because we go into a, an alternate time frame or something with what this powerful mage who obviously is stronger than Rience and Rience is already tough enough as it is so yeah maybe this we can swallow the fact maybe their the thought process is the audience can swallow the fact that this mage has the ability to do that since it's so much stronger than an already strong villain I you know I don't know I, I, I'm only guessing for what the thought process are from the, the writing aspect of the show but it would be yeah it if that's a cop-out way they want to go about it, sure, I guess it would work in a sense. But I really hope that's not the case. I really hope that this is just a part of this season. And it's like a trick. It's a trap. And either this person shows their true form later on, or it's you know someone who is an Assyrian imposter that's maybe like that is the true form but it might not be the big bad itself maybe to your point might be another henchman or something of whoever this powerful mage is does anything other than what we really don't want it to be i definitely don't want it to be no multiversal shit don't want it to be no flashpoint shit and really <laughs> i don't want it to be this powerful mage can change time and appearance shit either but you know, I guess we're going to find out as we go along. I just really hope that uh, it, it it just seems like that would be an easy cop-out for, for them to go about it. But then I think about the flip side. And if you really aren't going to bring Henry Cavill back as Geralt, what options do you really have? Like, what are some other things you can do that aren't? That <laughs> you aren't- fucked. You don't have no options. This is the final one. <laughs> this is the final season you should have prepared. You should have made this a movie trilogy. You should have thought ahead. This is your fault. Pay your fucking writers, man. We see what's going on. Pay your fucking... Pay your fucking guys. The, the weird thing about The Witcher is it's not so much that the, the writing has changed or been bad. It's just that... They can't seem to agree with Geralt on the direction of the show. Geralt, uh, I'm sorry, with Henry Cavill on the way of the show as Geralt. He is you know, Geralt. Like, yeah, he right? will always be fucking so Geralt. It's just dude. like, it's tough. It, it, it's just more along the lines of Henry Cavill wants the storyline to be based off the source material in the books and the video games. The directors and writers and producers are like, yeah, that was cool, but we want to do our own spin on it. And Henry Cavill's like, well, I don't want to be a part of that bullshit because it's obviously working right now the way it's at. Why would you change a good thing? And they're like, well, if you don't want to be a part of it, that's cool. We'll go grab the baby Hemsworth. You know, like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know, dude. It just, it just seems very silly. So the, the, the point of me saying all that is it's not even so much a writer's issue. You know, it's, it's not that they're getting the, in the footlocker refs from the 2012 NFL season, you know, it's not like they're getting like the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the scrub writers and they're doing a fucked up job. No, the writing is fantastic. It's just the, the direction of the show they want to go is opposite of what's been working for them, which makes no fucking sense. But I don't know. I don't get paid to make these decisions, man. So that's all I got for you on that. And what about you, dude? Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect because that's kind of like 
my debate, but this is going to be a little bit expanded a bit, like basically on what we were talking about there. Like my debate for this is basically that what do you think this was truly their plan all along or are we starting to see things like are we starting to see things right now that are hints that this is where really where it's starting to deviate from source material because they're trying to throw shit together like i don't want to get into like all like oh um you know predicting like oh this is where it gets fucked up where you hear like all this backlash and stuff right but it where do you think my my thoughts on this is because i've heard two things and actually what's interesting is i read an article this week because now that you know this show is officially all the way out because we always want to give our audience a chance to watch it (laughs) one of the directors was trying to blame it on henry cavill he basically was saying you know all this stuff has come out that Henry Cavill didn't agree with the writing and he was saying well he also wanted to take more care on his body and it was too taxing to him do you think it lies more than he with he didn't agree with the writers or they're saying it's like too physically demanding and do you think this is the part where we're starting to see things deviate a lot just starting even in these small little glimpses like we're gonna start seeing deviations where people are just pulling shit out of their ass like a random siri that's here in the multiverse and i really hope to answer to just add this on here yeah we're not getting some multiverse shit and but like you said i don't think they really have any other options like it's not like dario naharis right like dario naharis we always think of the original Dario Naharis from season three, but still the other guy was able to slip in. But that's like replacing fucking Jon Snow. Like, how the fuck are you going to do that? And all of a sudden, Jon Snow's a new guy? Like, <laughs> you went and... Like, what the fuck are you going to do, man? Like, I, I don't know. So that's a lot of rambling into a debate. But my debate is, do you think this is where we're going to start seeing divinations from source material and it's going to start getting sloppy? Do you think it was a writing issue with Henry Cavill or do you think it had something else to do with that? And do you think it's going to be very hard for them to try to continually control this narrative and get viewers to watch with someone that's such the main focal point of a story? So to answer one of those parts first the the question you asked about is this where we're going to start seeing like the deviations from source material that's hard for me to say because full transparency i've never played the video games i've never read the books so i don't really truly know uh what the source material is since how the only thing i've come to know with the witcher is this netflix series so i personally don't know if this is where we're going to start seeing it now the other aspect you asked about the difficulties of coming to an agreement between Henry Cavill and directors, writers, producers, whatever, whoever the decision makers are, that sounds a lot to me like whenever you're talking about something and you bring something up small, it's like a slight small issue, and they take that and pretend it's the real big one, right? Yeah. So for me, I, I believe it's more so that the crux of the matter is 
the fact that they're going to deviate from the source material and they're not going to write it and, and produce it and create it very similarly to the novel series and the video games. So my thought is, is that I do believe if there was a commitment from the producers, directors, writers, investors of the show to stick to the source material, I believe that he was, he would have come to the table and figured something out. I just think the other things are in addition to the fact that they aren't, that they're going to deviate like, Hey, yeah, this is a problem. And this is something you guys aren't willing to work on. But now, like not only is this, but these are some other things I haven't even talked about just because I've been happy to do it since how it's been going so well. But yeah, it's taxing on my body to get in this kind of shape or maintain this sort of size and eat this sort of way and, and all that. So I think it's more so small things that have come up saying, look, this isn't the only issue. I'm willing to overlook these other issues, though, if you guys are willing to meet me here of, of creating this the proper way. And I think when the director's just like, ah, see, it wasn't our idea. It was him <laughs> right. saying he can't get in shape or whatever. Like, yeah, that's what I think it was. I think it's just a small thing that might have been mentioned in passing as other like tiny issues that that they grabbed onto so they wouldn't be at fault. You know, like, oh, can't blame yeah. me. He's the one that's saying he can't, you know, maintain the, the body type <laughs> for the role. So that's that's my thing. It's kind of the blame game sort of deal. So instead of putting the, the onus on themselves, it's like, ah, see, you know, you guys, he tricked you. He, made, he wanted to make you think we were the problem, <laughs> but we're not the problem. He doesn't want to maintain the, the weight and size and, and appearance for the show. So that, that's my thought process on that. And then just remind me what the last aspect of your, your questioning was. Yeah, my uh, last aspect of that, which just a little bit of the part before as far as with the writing, do you think it's going to get sloppy? And my last part of that was with him being such the iconic character because the directors made this statement in an article after he said he was leaving that they thought about taking the direction of following different characters like Yennefer and Ciri, but then they decided just to let you know Liam Hensworth take over because they said they felt like they didn't do the books justice because it's such a big part of the books they're not just going to change it right do you think do you think it's still going to be able to attract audiences with someone else being so obviously different as the Witcher <laughs> like as Geralt like it's it's not like you know, it, like I was saying, it's not like a side character like Dario Naharis where we could get overlook that and take that as, which I really feel bad for Liam Hensworth, really. Like, he, ha he hasn't been able to show us his side of things yet. And he's clearly like, I mean, you're already going up against a wave that you shouldn't have to be doing. So I feel bad for him in a way. But this isn't like replacing Dario Naharis. Like, this is like replacing a main character, Jon Snow. It's like you just walked in and changed Harry Potter with somebody. That's literally what you're doing. Like, you just changed Harry Potter. Yeah, so I appreciate you, you reminding me on that end. So to answer that question, no, I think it, it it's not something that's going to be able to attract followers and keep the followers that were already interested in the show. I And I think the evidence to support my statement there is the fact that this season has received such poor ratings and been so poorly received when realistically the two episodes that I've seen so far have been fucking awesome episodes. They weren't, <laughs> right. they weren't bad at all. I think the people who are writing these reviews and the audience is just fucking pissed because they know what's coming. So yeah. that, that's my evidence for the reason why I think that it's going to go down the toilet fast. 
Uh, you know, the the ratings and reception for this season have been very bad, all around. Like audience score and critic scores have not been great for this season. But personally, just watching the first episodes, I don't see anything <laughs> wrong with the first episode. I think they're, they've the been some way. of the best. Yeah, I think they've been some of the best the witches put out. Period. So. That only leads me to believe there's a reason they're making the the, the, the reviews are coming out the way they are is because they know that after this it's going like they're not going to watch it anymore. Like no, you're changing everything. The the main character isn't going to be the main character anymore. You're already uh, we already know that it's already been leaked and the the scoop is that you guys don't want to go to source material, which would already been a tough sell anyways. Let's say Henry Cavill did agree and say fuck it. You know what? I like the character of Geralt so much. I'll just play him in whatever role you guys want me to. Like I already think. That would have upset the audience. Kind of very similar to what we saw with Game of Thrones in season eight. Season eight of Game yeah. of Thrones, there was no books to base it on. George R. R. Martin wasn't as involved with the creation and what they were going to do with it, and it came out as hot garbage. And I, I, I think that could have happened going forward if, if Henry Cavill said, "All right, let, let me just go ahead and do this." But the fact that they were going to change it from source material and you lose Henry Cavill, dude, there's no shot. There's no shot this thing lasts and I think that's a big reason why uh, again, I have not like, substantiated these rumors or, or looked into it any further than just like what I've heard through the grapevine, but that they've halted production entirely for season 4 of The Witcher. They're not even it's not even on the schedule right now. They're just they're putting a big pause and pressing the brakes to it. And they like why wouldn't they? Who's going to watch it? You know, you, got, you see what your the most recent season received in terms of ratings and reviews. You know it's not because this season was bad. There's only one answer, and it's that you all fucked up. You fucked up by trying to change it, and you fucked up by letting your top billing actor walk out the door. So, no. To answer that in simplicity form, there is no way that The Witcher is going to maintain or generate new following for season four and beyond if they can even get to season four. I 100% agree, and we don't agree all the time, <laughs> as everyone knows on this show, but I just don't see any way it's fucking possible, because, and and I want to get your opinion on this, too, before you close out. Like, I honestly feel sorry for Liam Hensworth, because I don't like to judge somebody until I've actually see them, seen them portray the role. I mean, he could be good. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen him yet. But, like, he's already going up against the wall. He's going up against something that he shouldn't have to. Like, if that was me and someone presented me that, and he actually said in that Instagram statement that he's been a fan of The Witcher just like Henry Cavill since the beginning. But if you're that so much of a fan, you would think you would look at that and be like, fuck that, man. Like, I'm not touching that shit. Like, you're going to want me to walk into a, a landmine? Like, this is no, this is a no-win scenario. Because say he gives, like, a great fucking performance and keeping, you know, all judgment out and looking from an outside perspective, maybe he will. But people are still going to see him as not Geralt because you can't just fucking walk in and replace the main fucking guy and just like you said my opinion on this with the whole oh well he couldn't get in shape the dude was trying to get in shape to play Superman until they fucked him over on that you're saying he can't get in shape to play Geralt again that he's done two seasons in a row just like you're saying they're picking out little blind spots here trying to deflect the blame is what they're doing I think you might have even tried I don't know how, but maybe you would have even had to try a better 
chance like say like he died or something and you brought in like one of the other witchers or something you got to figure something out but it's not just going to be like liam hensworth sticks on a wig and here we are like it's fucked up dude and and i'm really afraid that now it's going to start to get sloppy and that's my other question to you before we close is do you think this is going to get sloppy like i don't think it's a multiverse thing i think they're going to spin it in some other way and which they'll try to be creative because like you said the writers are pretty good i mean the writers you know i mean it's not that you know people that it all depends on everybody making their role decision on walking out and all that stuff right but i'm really hoping like they're trying not gonna try to spin this in such a way that then here we are four episodes later filming this show and we're like what the fuck happened like you started off so well and walked off a cliff i really fucking hope not man i really fucking hope not because they've started off so well and i i just didn't know how to respond after this last sentence which props to henry cavill he acted great i would uh, that's a ima- I imagine that's exactly how Geralt would act if I knew this was actually in the story. <laughs> so, but that's my last thoughts to you, man. Is it going to get sloppy? Yeah, I also want to touch on something you said just a little bit ago about Liam, Liam Hemsworth just coming in to a yeah. landmine. Bro, like, you want to think it's such a big, great opportunity. It's one of Netflix's biggest shows. But to me, man... It's very similar to getting a head coaching job of like the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. <laughs> like obviously the Jets have gotten you know they got Aaron yeah. Rodgers and you know who knows maybe that's going to be uh, a great spot. But you know it's just like walking into a team that you know has no talent and you're expected to do something with it and make them relevant and a contender in your first year. With, you're working with nothing. You got Crayola crayons and mop buckets. Like, no, dude. Uh, like, that's what I kind of view this as for Liam's, Liam Hemsworth. Uh, there's nothing he can do to salvage the situation. To what, to your point and to your credit, he could give an Oscar-worthy, Grammy-worthy, whatever, uh, the Tony-worthy. I don't know what the hell these awards are. Whatever <laughs> Tony award, Romo Award, baby. You love Tony Romo. He, they could give. He could give the greatest award-winning performance of all time and it would mean nothing because everyone is already going to be upset everyone already is upset about the direction the show is going and the fact that they pushed their marquee guy out the door so it's it's just you're putting him into an unwinnable situation and the, the last part of that is do i think this is where it gets sloppy i don't know because i'm not sure where the the direction they're intending to go is but if this is the point where they start deviating and you know trying to bring in their own quote unquote genius to it and think that they're smarter than <laughs> what's kind of gotten them to the dance, yeah, it's probably going to be the point where it starts going downhill when you start thinking you're smarter than you know the, like, life's all about keeping stuff simple most of the time. And when you start thinking you're smarter than the what got you there, that's when you that's when the downfall happens, dude. Like. You don't you don't change what got you to the dance. Like yes, there's always ways to innovate and there's always ways to improve, but there's got to be a a basis. There's got to be a strong foundation, and the strong foundation is the source material that has captivated the audience so far. 
Uh, the foundation is what you are reading in the novels, what what is played on on these video games. The sales of The Witcher video games have gone through the roof since this uh, series came out, and this is an old video game. They're starting to remake it for newer systems because of the success it's had. So obviously, there's something to the source material that has really drawn a connection with the fans and with the audience. Why the fuck would you change it? You know, and people just start getting too greedy, and they think they're too smart for their own good, and that's where shit starts going downhill. So, is this the point where that happens? I think it remains to be seen. Uh, I will give it its fair chance to see how the rest of this season goes. I think the real tell will be if they come out with a season four, and if they do, and if it's cleared, and if it ends up being the what we assume it's going to be, and what it was announced to be, and having... Liam Hemsworth take it over and kind of deviating onto what they want to do with the storyline. We're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see what happens. But I, I, I think history repeats itself, and we're gonna have a a bad review of uh, like a bad repeat of season eight of Game of Thrones here with season four of The Witcher. So that's my final thoughts on it. And uh, last two couple things, just to get your quick opinion like say they do even manage to spin this where they're like oh yeah like something happened to him so he's got to change his appearance one do you think anyone would ever accept like oh like from now on they're like oh well like imagine like telling you know your friend or something that's watched it for the first time and is watching like season one through four in a row right and they get to four and they're like oh well you didn't know like that's what happens like he he gets his appearance changed and i mean you know that's why he'll never be the same like one do you think anyone's gonna ever fucking accept that and two we were talking about something the other day just uh you know we were talking you know because jane ellie and i were best friends so we hang out all the time we were talking about it over coffee you're like they might be trying to get him back man like i mean one i don't know if they will try to get him back but the question is i have on that is if you do get him back, how do you even spin that with Liam Hensworth? Like, how do you even do a press on that? They're like, sorry, guys, we fucked up. <laughs> like, how do you even do that? And then we'll close out. Yeah, uh, I think the first part of that, I answered to the best of my ability in saying, like, yeah, I don't, I don't see how it's received well, even if they come up with something that can somewhat make sense in people's head to be like, oh, okay, I can logically see how they went from this to that and whatever you know watch it i just i don't i think there's too much damage already done i think i think there's too much you've already done you've ruined uh you burned a bridge with the the, the fans and the, and the people who enjoy the show you've ruined you burned a bridge with one of your marquee actors one of the biggest names in fantasy fiction hollywood you know this dude's fucking superman on top of that and now he's got another contract to play warhammer another marquee uh series coming out on the amazon platform so like You've done. Too, you've just done too much wrong to make it right. You know, there's this. I'm not saying that. Uh, you ever hear that uh, the old song? What was it by One Republic? It's too late to apologize. Yeah, it's something like that, it's man, too dude. Late. Yeah, yeah. Dude. So I just. I think that they've just done too much wrong to be able to salvage and and move forward, no matter how brilliant it could be to where you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I can see where they went from this Geralt to that Geralt, and it totally makes sense. I just, I I don't think, I just, like I said, I, the long and short of it is I think they burned too many bridges and did too much wrong to make it right. Now, to the next part, 
of this in terms of how do you spin it and, and make it so that it makes sense for uh, bringing Henry Cavill back if they can. Dude, I think I think uh, uh, accountability goes a long way. Hey guys, we made a mistake. We realize the value this guy brings to the show. We realize that what has really resonated with the viewers has been the fact that we have really followed along with what's been going on in uh, the source material and we would like to uh, our, our opportunity to continue that and I think the best way going forward is to bring the guy who who really helped bring this to life back in the fold. You do something like that, boom, I'm back in. That like like you like you saw like you, you say that, you come on a press conference and you say that, you take accountability for how you fucked up and you come up with a reason of like how you think you can make it better and how this person's important to it and you're going to do your best to work together and you're going to bring it back in. I don't give a fuck. I'm in. You you sold me. Done. Just take my money. Gave him. He had my twenty dollars a month Netflix. I'm back in. So that that's the best way. I, I that's the way to go about it. In my opinion, man. I don't know. Do you have any other like, like thoughts on it? Yeah, and uh, and then I'll let you close this out. Is I agree with you entirely. I think accountability goes a long way. It's it's interesting too because what's funny is they're kind of falling in the same shoes as honestly like what Disney did with Johnny Depp, you know, all that stuff happened and he got cleared with the Amber Heard thing. And then they tried to get him back to film like new pirates of the Caribbean offering him like the hundred alpacas. He's like, fuck that man. Like you already fucked me over. Like I'm not doing that. And that's exactly what's probably whatever happened here. I imagine like you already burned so many bridges. Like it's like, Hey, like, you know, I tried to work with you on this. You already fucked me over. I got fucked out of Superman. You know, first of all, you know, Amazon was watering at the fucking mouth. <laughs> the minute they realized he wasn't Superman. They were like, the next day, they were like, hey, sign here. Sign here. Don't even, don't even answer those phone calls. We got this little project called Warhammer we're going to be starting. You know what? How about, how about you write the script for us? And you, you just go ahead and sign. You just go ahead and sign. <laughs> they were all over that shit. Lord of the Rings, Warhammer. Yeah, Amazon's fucking set. Anyways, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I think accountability goes a long way. And if they were able to do that, then you're back in the saddle. And I think you would just have to, you know, you know, you kind of make a CEO approach at that point. You basically put a quote in there like, we always knew he was the guy and you'd be back in the saddle. But we'll see where it goes. With that, I'll let you close us out, Jay Nelly. Sounds like a plan, man. Yeah, I guess uh, this is your very first time tuning in to Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We really hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you have been here from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. For where you can find us out there uh, through your, your apps and all the social sites, we're everywhere, man. You know, we, we're on uh, Instagram, at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok, at Ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus, Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. We even have our own website, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So you can follow us along there. Click like, subscribe, leave reviews, leave star ratings, leave comments. Any sort of engagement really does help us out here on the show. And in terms of where you can find the podcast and can tune in and listen to us, we are anywhere that you get your podcast. So if you are an iPhone user, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, we're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on Stitcher. We're on our host site, Podbean. We're on Acast. We're anywhere you get your podcast. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because this has been another 
Ridiculous Production, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, Signing, signing off. off.